Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. Ho-ho-ho, <laughs> baby! <laughs> what is up? Buffalo Fanatics, Z-Bot here with you. Monday night live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. It can only mean one thing. This is the Smoke Break. Coming at you live from the new studio in my brand new home state of Connecticut. Stamford, Connecticut. We're coming at you live from the heart of it. We're in enemy territory, folks. We got some Jets fans around, some Pats fans around, some Giants fans around. But, of course, the first thing I did when I moved in, which was just Friday afternoon, first thing I did, put the Buffalo Bills doormat right in front of the door to let everybody know in the great state of Connecticut who indeed runs and owns the East Coast. Thanks so much for tuning in here with me tonight here on the Smoke Break Monday evening. You might be looking at my background here, especially if you're a recurring viewer and saying, bye, what's up with the background? Well, as I just got through telling you, I have moved. This is the first time in my life I've moved outside of New York State. I've moved all around within New York. I went to college at Oswego. I lived in New York City for a brief period in Manhattan during college. Traveled all over the world, but I've never moved outside of the state of New York. So all I've ever known as far as home is concerned is being right down the street from those Buffalo Bills. No longer am, and that feels weird, but we christened in the new apartment with a Bills W, an emotional, unbelievable, never will forget type W over the New England Patriots just yesterday. So you're probably, like I said, looking at the background saying, Bob, what's up? Well, I told you guys probably a month or so ago. It must have been, I don't know, sounds about right, that I was going to be absolutely decking out a new studio inside my apartment. And I, you know, I don't tell a lie, or at least if I do, you know, I don't mean to, you know, I'm just, I'm just being inaccurate by mistake. So it's not fully done yet. Mind you, I just moved in two days ago. I had a full U-Haul worth of stuff, had to get it all in here. 
So I'm actually stoked I got done behind me what I do have behind me. And shout out to the best dad on the planet. You guys have seen him out here before. My main man, my dad, uh, he was down here moving me in. He hooked this up because God knows I'd be incapable of doing it myself. So this is a sneak preview of what you're going to be seeing. I would say next week we're going to be locked down, ready to rock with the studio all redone. But the background here is a quick little sneak preview of what you can expect. Going to be adding a bunch more stuff, going to be doing new cameras. So you'll be able to see everything as I talk. So I'm not so close to the camera. We're going to be redoing a lot of stuff, thinking about maybe even redoing the graphics package, really revamping this show and bringing it a whole new and exciting light which I'm really stoked about. But I got to tell you, the way this looks right now, you could leave this as is and I'd be satisfied. We got the Stevie Johnson signed jersey up there. My man, Steve Tasker, Jim Kelly, the GOAT, Jay Allen, a couple of other things. And one of my cool, cooler things that I own that I have never seen before, my girlfriend, who I moved in with, by the way, this weekend, she, uh, her mother got me that. It's a, it's a Josh Allen signed golf hat, which I've never seen before. And I'm not even a golf guy, but hey, it's got 17 signature on it. I'm all about it. Now, speaking of 17, he was out there yesterday with those Buffalo Bills, and they got the job done at home against the New England Patriots, bouncing the New England Patriots from play the playoffs, securing the two seed for themselves, and securing a date, the rubber match, if you will, with the Miami Dolphins this coming weekend, Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern in Buffalo during wild card weekend. It's only right, folks, it's only right that this season is going to entail a Bills-Dolphins wildcard game because as we all know, the Dolphins, after they beat us in week three, that was their early Super Bowl. All we did was hear about how great the Dolphins are. Tua, he's the MVP. The Dolphins are going to win the AFC East. And then we watched what happened over the last month and a half, the Dolphins lost five straight and they crawled. I don't even know if you can say crawl. I mean, they they I, barrel rolled, if you will. I have no idea how to describe the way that they made it into the playoffs. Lost five straight. Send a backup quarterback, a third string quarterback rather out there yesterday against the Jets. They win 11 to six, which by the way, one more reason to judge, and not that you needed another one, but one more reason to fuel the fire that is the disliking of the Miami Dolphins. I had the Jets plus three and a half. And there's a, you know, a pitchy, pitchy woo-woo, as Scott Van Pelt would say, safety for the Dolphins to cover the spread. So now I got a little bit more of, you know, a little bit more added juice going into this weekend. And trust me, I didn't need any more. So we're going to get into all of that. We're going to dive in deep to the playoff situations, not just the Bills, but everything. Kind of look at the playoff picture. What could potentially happen moving forward? What could potentially happen in that Dolphins game? We have no idea if Tua Tungabailoa is going to play. We have absolutely no clue. We don't even know who the quarterback's going to be, much less if it's going to be Tua. Very interesting and I think that's the reason why the NFL tucked this game into the 1 p.m. window. If you noticed, over Saturday, Sunday, and Monday night, there is only one o'clock, only one one o'clock game. It is the Bills and the Dolphins. I think that is simply because the NFL is aware that one, the Dolphins, they probably shouldn't even be in the playoffs. Two, even though they are, they're not a good watch right now. And three, the quarterback position is in such question that they simply could not put them in a primetime spot despite how, you know, how much 
draw the Bills have now. The ratings they get in primetime, the show almost every time Josh Allen and the Bills put on when they are in primetime. That is why that game's tucked into the 1 o'clock window. We will dive in deep into that game. And then, of course, we'll recap yesterday. Bills, Patriots, 35-23 in one of the most emotionally fueled and rememberable. Remarkable. Just, just I, I don't know. I think it was added to me, at least, you know, I'm moving in with my dad. This, that was probably the last. It's going to get me just, I'm going to get sad. But I know my dad's watching right now. I got to just put this out there. I dropped my dad off at the airport today, man. I was, I was holding back. I was fighting back a couple of tears, man. I mean, this was a rough week for everybody. It was just a rough week, man, of course. And we're getting, I'm getting to the, the best news of the week in just a second here, but I'm setting up the, the stage here. We all know there's no need to set it up. I'm just saying that, of course, with all that was happening with DeMar, me being there in Cincinnati, witnessing that, coming back from that, and just trying to process everything that entailed with that, as we all were, then I had to tack on a move, a full-on move, six and a half hours away from home, which isn't easy to begin with. And then, of course, you got to actually do the move, which is awful. Um, and then I realized yesterday watching the game, you know, with my dad in the, in the place here, it's like, man, you know, it's not going to be what it was. Uh, I'm going to get him choked up a little bit. I hate this. Sorry. You, just everybody there, everybody who watches me and I get, I get messages about this a lot. I get messages about this a lot. I always, I actually just got one, two, three days ago. Everybody always messages me about their relationship with their dad or a significant other or a family member and the bills. And that always means a lot to me because you guys know how much that means to me. You know, the, the relationship my dad and I have not only have just in general, but of course, you know, the Bills and how I am a Bills fan. This has always meant so much to me. And I think that was, you know, it kind of hit me that I'm in my new place. Sometimes, man, when you, like, at least when you're my age, and I know there's a variety of different age groups that tune in each week. Like I know, I know my man Harrison, who's watching with his dad, Don, right now. Harrison can't be more than 10 years old. And then I got my man, um, uh, Jeffrey King, I mean, he's in his 60s. So we got a wide variety of guys here. I think, but in my in my age group right here, like in, in this point of life that I'm at, you know, when you move out with your girlfriend, your own place six hours away, kind of hits you, I think, right there. You're like, oh, sh- you're like, oh, shit. Like, I am an adult. And that's weird because I sure as hell don't feel like one. Does this look like an adult to you? <laughs> Right. So it's like crazy. So all that was happening. And then, of course, just but I'm glad. And I, and this is where I'm getting what I'm getting to here, because I'm glad what happened in that game yesterday. It happened during all of this for me. And that's what made it made it so much more memorable. I mean, I'm moving in that morning. Right. And we we're trying to get everything done before the Bills game. And we do. And we sit back. My dad got the TV hung up. We got the 65 inch. Of course, you know, I had to get that to get that was. I think the first di- thing I did when I walked into this new place outside of putting down the, the bills, Matt was subscribe to YouTube TV because I, I have to get a new subscription service. And that's what we went with and put the 65 incher up because, you know, we got some ball to watch. And that's why we started early tonight. We got some ball to watch tonight. Let's go horn frogs, baby. Let's go. Let's let's pull the underdog upset tonight. Shock the world. So we got all that set up and then you settle in for the game. You settle in for the game. And for that game to start the way it did, are you kidding me? And we're going to start there. But before we do, the biggest and best news of, I mean, in, in a long time, DeMar Hamlin, folks. <laughs> I mean, not only did he beat this, 
not only did he come back from this. And what's crazy to me is, like I told you guys last week, if you tuned into my show where we just kind of talked about the situation together. <laughs> Listen, in that stadium, when I was in that stadium in Cincinnati, the rumors were flying around. Hey, man, I, you know, people were saying he didn't make it. People were saying he was gone. I mean, that's what was flying around in that stadium. I'll never forget just sitting there after the whole crowd had cleared out. It was just me and my buddies that I went with. We're sitting there in an empty Cincinnati stadium after what we had just witnessed. And we're just sitting there staring at the empty field. And we're wondering, did we really just watch one of our guys that we root for without, you know, like with the most utmost passion and love our whole life? Did we just watch that? Right. And even when you got back and you and you went through everything and you were getting the information or lack thereof because there really wasn't any, you still really didn't know. But thank God when I left there, we knew he hadn't passed. Right? He was. They had the tube down uh, down his throat, and he was. You know, they were they were they had him back to some degree. But to think that this time, right now, this Monday, to think one week ago from this moment almost that happened. And then to find out this morning, not only is he back, not only was he FaceTiming the guys, not only was he live tweeting the game, posting Instagram pictures, folks, he checks out of the hospital today and he's back in Buffalo. Are you kidding me? I don't think anybody could have drummed up a better. I, I so I mean I just don't it, it went as well as it possibly could have anything you could have prayed to happen anything you could have just I, if you had to draw out the ideal scenario on the whiteboard as to what you wanted to happen for this young man it happened and that is just when I got that news today because I think over oh as the week went on we all knew man you know not only was Demar going to be okay right. Not only is DeMar going to be okay, but he looks like he's more than okay. He's posting selfies. He's smiling. He's live tweeting the game. He's FaceTiming the guys. I mean, I, I couldn't, I was overwhelmed with all the stuff we were seeing. I couldn't even believe it. Now, Christine's coming here saying he's not home though. He's either in uh, Buffalo um, general or ECMC. Yeah. I should have prefaced that. Obviously, of course, you know, still have to, I mean, he was in critical condition. We all know what happened. He still has to be monitored. But the fact that one week later, he is back in Buffalo, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. The way that that night went down, I don't know if I saw that. I don't know if many people saw that. All we knew is that would have been by far the most ideal outcome. And, uh, and I wasn't on here to talk about it with you guys, but of course, of, of course. But like, I just can't get over. I cannot get over how legendary. I, think about. The whole thing to me, it's just now that I'm processing it with you guys, just sitting here as we you know, talk it out. Think about how legendary waking up from that incident is. And the first thing, you can't even speak yet. You can't speak. The first thing you do is you write out to the doctors, did we win? There isn't a move. There isn't a movie studio or writing team. There, I mean, maybe. I mean, I guess there is, but that would be what you would do in a movie, right? That's a movie, right? And that's what he did. I mean, that, that is just. It's just I that, as you can see, just utter loss for words. But the crazy thing is here, the the this whole situation. It, it was just. It was continuous loss for words because not only did that happen, and that to me was the most legendary thing I have ever heard in my life. 
that that'll never be topped. How do you beat that? How do you top that? You don't. Except maybe the only way you do top it is you open the game off against the New England Patriots with a hundred plus yard. Ca- what, folks? My God. Okay. I mean, do you understand where I'm getting at here? This is storybook. I think that's exactly what Jim Nance said. Storybook, Disney script. I can't, I can't fathom it. That moment yesterday, as we transition into the recapping the Bills Patriots game, that moment yesterday, I have never been left so speechless, stunned over really anything, much less a sporting event in my life. I mean, at least positively, of course. I think the most numb I've ever felt in my life was the 13 seconds. I don't think I moved or spoke for days after that, but you all know that. Why even bring that up in the moment here? I'm just thinking about the last time I felt that dumbfounded over a, a sporting event. That 13 seconds comes to mind, but that right there. So we're sitting in my new apartment here. We don't even have a couch yet. We don't even have a couch. We have nowhere to sit. My dad's sitting, I think my dad was standing. I'm sitting in the computer chair that I'm sitting in now. We had it downstairs. We're sitting there. And we could not process what, I mean, and and this is like, I see Mackinac coming in here. He's saying scripted. Look at, this is when you know, I can't even blame Mackinac because he's not the only one. I went on Twitter afterwards. It was so unbelievable. A lot of people's natural reaction was, dude, this ha- like this has to be this has to be scripted, right? I think Dave Portnoy had me dying. Dave Portnoy's like, I, my dad showed me the video. I forgot exactly what he said, but he said something to the effect of, um, hey, you know, Bill Belichick, the classiest guy to ever do it. He 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 let them get the opening kickoff had to pay homage to the Bill. I was laughing my ass off. Cause that's what it seemed like. It was so unbelievable. That, that I guess people who aren't, you know, who don't, who, I guess people who have any inkling that maybe they're the fix is the fix is on in some of these games or whatever. That's where people's minds went to because it was that dumbfounding. Even I, because first of all, just to put it out there, you, you can't, you, you can't script a damn kickoff return. Okay. As much as I, I've seen the argument, unless you paid off every single one of the Patriot special team players to not do anything, which, by the way, it wasn't like they didn't do anything. They were getting after. Um, I, and the thing is, it's like, one, when's the last time the Bills have ran a kickoff back? I couldn't even remember. But, but to do it, I mean, think about it. You have the whole, which by the way, this was amazing. You have the whole league honoring DeMar all weekend long. I mean, how cool is that? You're seeing our bitter rivals Rocking the love for DeMar shirts. I saw Eric Bieniemy was wearing one. Um, I mean, just, I mean, tons of people, tons of people were wearing them on every single team. Saw a bunch of Miami staff wearing them. I mean, that goes back to what we spoke about last week, about the humanity of all this, how this really affected um, everybody at a human level, way beyond the football and the fanhood level. Uh, and yes, I see. I'm glad you guys confirmed it. So yeah, it is three years and three months. I wasn't sure if that was Naheem Hines' last kick return or the Bills' last kick return. But I mean, just right there again. Okay, so it was the Bills. 
I think even if you got like the best of the best, you got, you know, you got James Cameron or uh, uh, whoever, Quentin Tarantino, you don't script that up the way that it played out. It was that insane. So you have all these, all this amazing homage to Tamar all weekend. They repainted a lot of the threes on the field at a lot of different stadiums. Like I said, they were all rocking shirts on different, uh, on different organizations, different staff and whatever. A lot of players, they did moments of silence um, uh, and, and, or not even, not really moments of silence, but like, uh, you know, a moment of reflection on what had happened and sending out love and prayers to tomorrow before the game. And then of course, you know, none of that was more prevalent than in Buffalo itself. And, and you knew right away when we got the news that DeMar was going to be okay. When we got the news that this game was going to be going on, you knew the environment yesterday in Buffalo was going to be unforgettable. And of course I had to move this weekend. Like I keep mentioning, but of course this had to be the weekend I moved, right? Like I would have given any, if I was home, I would have been in there. No doubt about it. No matter what. I mean, that was one of those moments, those games that if you could, you had, you had to be there. Right. And you, so you knew no matter what happened in that game, the environment was going to be off the charts. But to, and, and, and you guys all saw it, of course, right before the game, just what they had, you know, the way they were honoring DeMar and, and, you know, you could just feel the, you could feel the emotion through the TV, much less. I couldn't imagine what it was like being there. If you were there, shoot me a comment. Couldn't imagine though. Right. But you could feel it through the TV. And I tweeted out, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. The bills are winning by 20. I mean, come on. Are, are you watching this? Are you seeing this? Like there's, you see Josh Allen on the sideline and McDermott. It just looked like McDermott was getting a little teary eyed, which by the way, before we even get into the game, I mean, there's so much to dissect here. I'm not going to do a whole lot because I'm sure by now you've, you've, I mean, who didn't you've consumed all there is to consume by now throughout the week here on the DeMar situation. But I've, I have harped on this. How many times on this show? I mean, you know, I beat I beat it to death, but it, it's just because it's so worth repeating every time. The culture in Buffalo, it is second to none, and and you see it come to the forefront in the most damning times. That is when you know the culture is legitimate. It's not for show. It's not a sham. You know it's real when crisis takes center stage. And these guys handle it better than anybody could possibly imagine. Will Sean McDermott win the coach of the year? I don't know. Part of me really starting to think he might. And that's because the way that this week was handled is unprecedented. And in my opinion, it could not have been handled better. It, it, it could not have been handled better by anybody. The way he handled it. The way I, I, I explained this last week, there was no handbook for this. None. You don't, no one knows how to handle this. And the way he did it throughout this week, you couldn't be luckier to have Shawnee Mick as a Buffalo Bill head coach. And you couldn't be luckier to have 17 taking the snaps because we saw how he handled it too. You saw how much it impacted him. And you saw how well he, McDermott, and the whole staff handled it. Unbelievable. Like Dave's coming in here saying. You couldn't ask for a better leader. And you couldn't. You really couldn't. And that is why these guys are so bought in. That is why the culture is the way it is. And it goes all the way up to the top and all the way down to the last guy out on that field. That's what it is. And you see it 
time and time again. Snowstorm this year. Eh, no problem. Didn't hear a single complaint. Did you? I didn't, right? The, uh, the tops shooting. Who's there to pay their respects and to support the victims and the city of Buffalo? The entire Buffalo Bills organization. The whole thing. Hell, Stephon Diggs flew in from across country to be there, right? You, you, you can't beat it. You cannot beat it anywhere. Not, not just in the NFL. Anywhere. And you saw it again this week in a situation that we've never seen before. In perhaps the most dire situation a football team could face. And then to do all that and go into this weekend and get the W. And we're going to get into this game because it wasn't pretty. It was a weird game. Best way to describe it, weird game. But to be able to go through all that and put up 35 and beat a team that was playing their own personal playoff game, I mean, come on. That's why it's going to be tough to pick apart this game because how much of it can you really pick apart when you aren't legitimately aware of how much the game was impacted by their week, right? It's kind of like when they played the Browns in Detroit because of the snowstorm, then had to go back to Detroit two days later to play the Lions on Thanksgiving. It's like, okay, how much of this game can you really scrutinize? They've been on a plane every hour of every day for the last week. (laughs) And then again, they won both games. So it's like, yeah, was it beautiful? No. Was it frustrating at times? Hell yeah. How much of it can I really pick apart, right? Next week's where you got to do that. Next week, though, that's where the picking apart starts, and hopefully we're picking apart things that happen on our way to the divisional round. But this past week, to be able to get that done the way they did um, after everything that happened, it's just nothing but a tip of the cap, the ultimate respect, and uh, a hell of a way to go into the playoffs. So let's get into the game here. Um, like I like I said, I mean, there's no, there's no real way that I can encapsulate just how – unbelievable that kickoff return was Josh Allen summed it up best. He, he said it was probably the most memorable. I, I forget the exact words he said, but he, he said it really well as he was fighting back tears. He just said it was one of those sports moments that was just, you know, it was probably the most insane he's ever seen. I mean, that's how we all felt. You could not believe what you were witnessing in front of that crowd with that emotion after that week to be able to do that uh, was Unreal. And, and then to be able to do it again later in the game, which hasn't happened, a multi-kick return game has not happened in over a decade. And the crazy thing is, in that game, thanks, James. Yeah, that's what Alan said, my most memorable play of his life. I mean, yeah, I mean, for me, that's going to be on the top 10 list, and it's going to be on the short end of that top 10 list. What What's going to be more memorable than that, other than when we inevitably win the Super Bowl, and of course it'll come down to some insane unbelievable last second thing because that's what the Bills do. They're going to absolutely, you know, they're just going to completely put us through the ringer like they do every single playoff game or big games. It's the way it goes typically. Um, but yeah, that's going to be on the short list. So uh, to be able to do that twice is insane. The, 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 the even more insane thing is that it wound up being all the difference. The Bills do not win that game yesterday if Naheem Hines does not have an all-world game at the kick return position he won the game 
and it's crazy. And I've been pounding this table since the Bills signed him. And it's funny. I'm on my way to the airport today to drop my dad off to go home after him, him helping me move in this week. I turned on pro football talk and uh, Mike Florio is breaking it down. And he, and he said, finally, somebody in the main media is saying something that I've been saying since the Bills signed Naheem Hines. He said, you know, you just watched Naheem Hines return two kick returns. Why aren't you utilizing them more on offense? And I'm like, well, I'll be damned. Thank you, Mike Florio. Thanks. He took the words right out of my mouth. You, you saw, you know, a swing pass to him against Miami. Touchdown. You saw the kick returns yesterday. We've seen what he's done in the kick return game other than yesterday. It's been good. I'd love to see more Naheem Hines. I'd love to see more Cole Beasley. I don't even, you know, Cole Beasley didn't touch the field yesterday. Didn't I don't even know if he suited up. Wasn't on the field. And I think, you know, it's funny enough, the one play John Brown was in on, I, or at least the one I saw, <laughs> touchdown. And that was an unbelievable catch. Smoke still got it, baby. Smoke has still got some gas in the tank, and it's emitting a smoke trail. I mean, that was beautiful. Diving catch, Allen on the run. Let him a bit too far, but it still got where it needed to go, and Smoke took advantage. Just incredible. But the weird part about the game yesterday, I think, yeah, it, it's unlocked saying, yeah, Cole was, he wasn't activated. Uh, he was what am I clicking on here? Here we go. Yeah, Cole wasn't activated yesterday. And what I'm saying is, you know, he wasn't in the game. So I don't know what the the whole motive is there. I was really wondering what the motive was with Hines. I still wonder, you know, kick ret- uh, two kick return touchdowns still doesn't erase my curiosity, I guess, as to why he's not in on offense more often. Um. But this team is filled with guys that just feels like they make a play. Not not necessarily all the time, but when a big play is needed, like somebody will step up. That's just what it seems like with this team. More often than not, of course, it's Josh Allen, but it does feel like, you know, week in and week out, there will be one or two guys that you wouldn't necessarily pinpoint that winds up making a big play or two. But yesterday, you know, there's just no, there's no other way to say it. They don't win that game without what Naheem Hines does in that kick return game. But listen, great teams are good, if not great, in all three facets of the game. Offense, defense, special teams. Special teams, of course, is the most underrated of the three. It's because no one cares. No one cares about kicking and returning, whatever. It's the boring part of football. But... You know, th- th- that can be all the difference, right? That can be all the difference. And we saw yesterday, not only with the two kick returns, but you have New England, when the game was still tight, kicking the ball out of bounds. The Bills scored on that, giving the Bills the ball right at the 40. I mean, these are little things that you don't remember, but they add up in a game and can be a gigantic difference. I know a lot of people, I don't agree with this, but I know a lot of people going back to the Chiefs game last year in the 13 seconds with the divisional, they were pounding the table for a squib kick. I don't think it would have made a difference, but I'll never know, right? Worth a shot, I guess. What I'm saying is it's more of a factor than you can, you know, than what meets the eye, I would say. And yesterday you saw in a game where it looked like at times the Bills offense was a bit flat, if not, you know, completely deflated on certain drives. But more importantly, in a game where the defense looked about as bad as it's looked in weeks, 
who's going to step up, right? Who's going to be the difference maker? Naheem Hines. And it's just like, you know, you never saw that coming. You never thought in a million years that the kick return game would be the ultimate difference in a game where, you know, you, you pretty much had written in a, a Bills W to begin with. We saw what they did in New England a few weeks back. We see what New England has put out on the field this year. It's just, you know, it's, they're not close to the Bills. But here's where I got to say, you know, you got to give credit to Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, and the New England Patriots yesterday. That is about as good of a game as I have seen the New England Patriots play all season long. I thought Mac Jones played phenomenal. I thought he took advantage. Phenomenal is a bit of an over-exaggeration. He had a couple of balls that really cost him. But for a guy who has had his struggles, for a guy that many think the Patriots could be moving off of, I thought in a big moment, I mean, that game was a playoff game for those guys yesterday. I thought in that moment, compared to what we've seen him put out on the field against the Bills last year in the playoffs, the game before this where they put up 10 points, the only touchdown coming on their first drive, I thought what he was able to do yesterday in the biggest game of the year for them was about as good as you were going to get from him. I thought they ran the ball well. I thought the defense at times really showed promise. I thought I thought the New England Patriots yesterday did enough to get that victory, and at times it felt like they were outplaying Buffalo. But back to my previous point. Great teams find a way, and yesterday in the most improbable fashion, the Bills found a way. Now, this isn't to negate other things that they did. I mean, there's a lot of things in this game that stood out. There's also things that stood out in a negative fashion that you wonder if you look at it next week in a setting against Miami where, look, if Tua does play, let's just say that for now, we have seen them not only beat the Bills, but play the Bills wire to wire in Buffalo in a snowstorm where we assume that Tua could not throw the ball. So, you know, if the game is at full strength for Miami next week, we, we know what to expect. We know what to expect, a ball game. We'll get into that game more later on. But what I'm saying here is some of the things we saw yesterday, it just it cannot happen. I keep seeing this in the comments, so let's get into it. Gabe Davis. I mean, this is just unacceptable. And it's not like he's dropping balls that are, you know, five feet over his head where he's got to one-hand them. It's not like he's dropping balls where he's diving for them. He's dropping balls that are in the breadbasket. The one that comes to mind the most is when Josh is scrambling to the right, it looked to me like he was over the line of scrimmage. They did not call it, so it would not have been flagged. Uh, and he hits Gabe Davis right in the bucket for a touchdown, and he flat out drops it. Three catches on 10 targets is absurdly bad. Look, Gabe Davis has not had the season we all thought he might have based on what we saw Last year, especially in the Chiefs game and what we had thought he might emerge into this year based on the body type, really got in killer shape. We saw the potential last year. I think a lot of us thought that Gabe Davis was going to be a surefire, solidified top wide receiver too, or at least on his way there. I don't think we can make that case after this season. I still like Gabriel Davis a lot. I still think he makes big plays, capable of making big plays. We've seen it. But he does drop the ball. And yesterday isn't the first time we've seen this. Yesterday was bad, though. Three catches on 10 targets is unacceptable. And that simply cannot happen in the playoffs. But I'll, I'll, I'll leave the jury out on that one because I also watched the guy put up 200 yards and four touchdowns in the, in the biggest game of the year last year. So let's wait and see what happens. But I will say, yesterday 
was not a good way to enter into the playoffs for 13. Just wasn't. The passing game yesterday, to me, it was boom or bust, right? It was boom or bust. Now, the nice thing is, even though I felt like it wasn't Josh Allen's best, and this is the this is the toughest part about breaking down Josh Allen, in my opinion, is that oftentimes you'll hear me say on here that you know it just wasn't Josh Allen's best day. And the thing of it, the thing of it is, is that's because Josh Allen's best day is probably some of the best football you'll ever see at the quarterback position. So it's really hard to weigh. Josh Allen's performances on a scale because the scale is so tilted sometimes. Right? You know, think back, think of some of Josh's best games, and it's just like, have you ever seen anything quite like it? So yesterday, it just, you know, the stats don't necessarily emphasize this, but it just felt in watching the game, it wasn't Allen's best performance. He looked a bit off at times. But if his off is 19 to 31 for 254, three touchdowns, and a quarterback rating of 106.1, well, I guess, you know, you're gonna you're you're okay with the off days. Here's what I'm not okay with, and you know where I'm going with it. Listen, one time, you know, it happens, right? Two one one even, you know, even two or three times. All right, you know what? It happens. Happens to the best of them. We understand, you know, Allen's trying to make a play. We understand. I've been over to the, this with you guys on this show at nauseum. We understand the type of player that Allen is. You got to take the good with the bad. You can expect unbelievable highlight reel plays. What comes to mind for me in particular would be the Miami game down near the red zone. You have two insane touchdowns on the run. Should never have scored yet. There they are in the end zone. You take the good with the bad and the bad being red zone interceptions. You understand that happening a few times. Yesterday was the fifth interception for Josh Allen in the red zone. It, it's a problem now. I think it was a problem going in. It seemed as though they had gone, they had gone through a period here, or Allen had gone through a period here where he had gotten rid of that after a string of games where he was consecutively doing it. The problem I had with yesterday's interception is it's right before half. It's 14 to 14. You clearly could tell. And this is the other thing I meant to mention earlier about that kick return. Did it not feel as though the Bills were going to win that game 45 to 6? I mean, for God's sakes, you go into that game with all that emotional fuel, right? It's the Patriots. You know you can bounce them out. Everybody hates New England. Nobody hates them more than Buffalo. And not only that, but you return the opening kick. Did it not feel like the Bills were going to win that game by five touchdowns? But then you quickly realized, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, New England came to play. This is not going to be a rollover session like it was a couple of weeks ago in primetime. You understood immediately, maybe not immediately, because immediately you thought the game was going to be a blowout. But you knew well and good going into the second quarter and especially going into halftime. Hey, we're going to have ourselves a ball game here. So to me, breaking down Allen's interception yesterday, it, this is my main issue with it. It wasn't like he was trying to make one of those miraculous plays going down near the, you know, the, going near the sideline, flipping it into the end zone, whatever. It's third down. It's right before the half. You're in a tie ball game. You're going to get sacked, right? He's under pressure, which he seemed to be, you know, a decent amount yesterday. He's under pressure. The guy is literally in the process of tackling him. 
that ball simply cannot be thrown. I tweeted out something about it. Everybody rushed into the comment section. He was getting hit. He was getting hit. Look, yes, the hit altered the path of the ball. It's the reason it was intercepted. The reason the ball was short is because Allen got hit. But if you go back and look at the play, even if he didn't get hit or even if he got that ball off with full arm strength, there isn't a receiver anywhere in the vicinity. So the overall point here is it was just a god-awful decision compounded by the fact that he was getting hit and he legitimately just threw. I remember back when we were kids, we used to play 500. You know, you'd throw the ball up in the air. You'd call, you'd call out however many points it would be if you caught it. That was what that was. And in a 14-14 game where you can get points before the half, knowing that you got to kick the ball off to start the half, just an awful decision. And the problem I have with that is that's a situation that you're going to be in in the playoffs where, you know, there's a lack of time or it's a tie ball game coming down to the wire against the clock or you're going to need to make the most out of your possessions as, as far as points are concerned in order to win this game. You know, that, that right there is the difference between going into the half with the lead and going into the half with all the momentum on New England's side, and that's what happened. And the crazy thing about this game is that it just felt at times like New England was going to, I don't, I don't know, I never felt like, I, I never felt like they were going to win, but there were times where it felt like New England was just playing better, but there was just no way. And I just never foresaw an outcome yesterday that resulted in the Bills' loss. There was just no way I could possibly envision it. But there were times throughout that game where you did feel like the Bills were the better team. And I think that's when Naheem Hines' second return, I mean, that was just, that to me was like, yeah, that confirmed that there's no way the Bills are losing this. Because at that time, when it was 14 to 14, the, the, che- or the Patriots, excuse me, get the ball to start the half, they take the lead, 17 to 14. It was that kick off the field goal that Naheem Hines returned. So the Bills were losing at that point. Take the lead there. So uh, you cannot underestimate just how crucial those two kick returns were. Because in that moment, I thought especially, it just felt like the momentum was completely on New England's side. They got the pick before the half. They scored to open the half off. And hey, you're like, oh. But then that started to seem, it started to seem like that was the time where the Bills are really getting it going. This is back to my point of boom or bust, right? You got boom or bust in the sense that you had two kick returns. You had that unbelievable long touchdown to John Brown. Unbelievable catch, great throw on the run. And then, of course, you have that touchdown to Stephon Diggs. And by the way, we've been waiting for Diggs to have a big game. It's been a bit since he's lit the stat sheet up. Yesterday, he lit it on fire. Over 100 yards, just under 10 catches, and that incredible touchdown. That was his, That was the best throw Josh Allen's thrown all year. That was one of the best throws you could really ever throw. I mean, the distance, the location, the ability to lead him to the end zone. My God, I could watch that throw on loop for 48 hours in a row. That was an unbelievable pass. They needed a big play, got the big play. Who better to do it than your two big guys, Diggs and Allen? That was as good a throw as we've seen Josh Allen make all year. 
And that's one of those things. If you want to talk about things that you're worried about going into the playoffs, as far as leaving it out on the field the week before, same can be said for things that you see that you, you want to carry in to the following week in those playoffs. Josh Allen's long ball being that, that, that to me um, was a, a, a real big highlight of yesterday. Uh, him throwing two of his better deep balls of the year. Um, the running game yesterday for Josh Allen specifically, not good. He did wind up carrying it nine times, which in my opinion, that should not have been the case. I, I just don't know why he's getting nine carries, whether it's him doing it or it being designed. I, I did not see a scenario where nine carries were needed yesterday in a game where, you know, it's important in the sense that you do want the two seed, but you do not want to risk it. You know, you do, you do not want to risk the health of Josh Allen for it. You can still win that game without him running the ball. That's at least that's how I feel. Um, especially knowing that he only ran for 20 yards against New England the first time they played earlier in December. Um, did not like that aspect of the game. Uh, and it didn't work out either. Nine nine carries for 16 yards. I mean, that's under two yards a carry. Um, the run game in particular yesterday, you're really starting to see um, – you're really starting to see why the Buffalo Bills drafted James Cook. I think, I mean, even though the stat sheet isn't being lit up, well, one of the reasons for one of the reasons for that is that he's not necessarily getting enough opportunities to to engulf the stat sheet in flames. I've been over this with you. There's 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 plenty of examples here throughout the season where he'll get a bunch of carries one game, and then the following week he'll barely touch the field. But yesterday, he got the bulk of the carries. I think this is the first. This might be the first time all season. I'd have to go back and check, but I'm almost positive this is the first time all season where James Cook led the team in carries. 14 carries for 64 yards, breaking off that nice 28-yarder as well. But he had the best rushing average yesterday. He led the team in carries. He led the team in rush yards. He had the longest rush. I think you're starting to see, and this isn't just yesterday. This is over the last few months here, in my opinion. I think you're starting to see James Cook separate himself a bit. I think you're starting to see why the Bills drafted him. I think he's incredibly explosive. Hits the hole better than, than you'll see. I mean, his speed to the, to the location is phenomenal. I just love a lot about his game. Very elusive, very shifty extremely quick to hit the hole. Um, I really do like James Cook a lot, and it's nice to see in a game like yesterday where I felt as though the Bills were going to try to run the ball more than, than they usually do just because I thought, at least, it's not necessarily how it panned out, but I thought the run game would be relied upon a bit more yesterday just because you're trying to maybe put your cards underneath your vest a bit more. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. 
Sign up and download Grammarly for free at grammarly.com slash podcast. That's grammarl dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Going into the playoffs, you're trying to conserve Josh Allen's health, what have you. Um, but I think we can expect going into these playoffs to see as much of James Cook as we have been seeing as of late. And, you know, the two-headed monster with him and Singletary, I mean, it has been nice. It's not going to be... It's not going to be uh, the bell cow of this team, for a lack of a better term. It's not going to be the focal point of this offense. But even though at times it just looks kind of stagnant and boring, you still had Singletary going for over 50, and you had James Cook going for over 60, and this team rushed for over 100, 100 uh and 30 yards. And once again, this team has ran for over a hundred yards in every single game this season. So as much as we rip on this team, or I don't even know if we should say we, as much as I hear the criticism of this team and the run game, I mean, yeah, it, it's to be criticized to some extent because I think at times it just isn't working the way they would, they would hope it would. But when they use it at a consistent level, it almost always results in over a hundred yards and it establish it establishes another layer to the depth of that offense. It establishes the play action game. It establishes the ability to, you know, set other plays up that you wouldn't be able to otherwise if it weren't for a run game. It establishes the ability to run the clock, hold on to the ball, milk time of possession. And that, of course, is incredibly crucial in the playoffs. I look back to, you know, the few times we played the chiefs where we could not run the ball and you can't help, but think if you did have an adequate run game. And when I say adequate, I think what we have right now is even better than adequate. It's just not this spectacle. It's just, it is, it is what it is. And what I think it is, I think it's very serviceable. And I think it's, I think it's reliable to some extent. I just don't think it's going to be anything that's going to blow our minds nor should it be because what we have in Josh Allen is the X factor on that offense that blows your mind. And that of course is what the offense is predicated around and will always be that way going into the playoffs though. It is going to be nice to have James cook and Devin Singletary to be those two guys that can continuously move the ball down the field for Buffalo and control time of possession. Something that I don't think they were able to do in games like against the Chiefs in the playoffs. And that can hurt you. The more you give the ball to Mahomes, the more you give the ball to Joe Burrow, the more you're going to be in trouble, as we know. So not an overly, you know, exciting day on the ground yesterday, but I thought it was serviceable enough. And I thought what Josh Allen did through the air, as much at times as I thought he did look a bit off, especially on that one interception, as much as we saw some things from Allen yesterday that, indicated to us it wasn't his best day. I still thought there were also flashes from Allen yesterday that made you think, all right, we can get that cooking in the playoffs. We're going to be set up. And we know what he's brought to the playoffs before. I was so glad to see what I think to be his best throw of the year be in that game because that just tells you, hey, it's there, and we're ready to rock come next week. So with that game, a 35-23 to victory, a game I don't think anybody will soon forget, a play in – a play in the return for Naheem Hines that I don't think anybody will ever forget. And uh, it just makes it that much sweeter that you knock out the New England Patriots from playoff contention with that 
victory. So 35-23 to end the regular season. The Bills play 16 games, of course, as opposed to 17. Finish the year at 13-3, and which is, you know, if you looked at the Vegas odds before the year, it's right around what they thought they'd be. They hit the over in win total. Um, So I think right now, looking at it, before the season, if you were to go through with an objective mind or with a um, with a clear mind, I guess you could say, if you were to go into looking at the schedule with a non-biased view, thirteen and three is probably the result you come out with, or whatever it would be, fourteen and three. I think when I went and did it with Rev before the year, I think we had either 14 and three or 13 and four. So you look at the the schedule and you kind of decipher what you think is going to happen. I think anybody looking at what they had to go against this year and then also never knowing what they actually had to go against off the field as well this year, 13 and three, a remarkable regular season for the Bills. It wasn't as electrifying or maybe as exciting, I guess, as you thought it might be when the season started, but it resulted in the same thing nonetheless. And there were big games down the stretcher that they won. And now, of course, they're on a seven-game win streak. The Bills are on a seven-game win streak. It's weird. It does not necessarily... I guess there's some games that were packed into there that they just kind of felt... Like, for instance, to, to me, the first time the Bills played the Pats when it was 24-10 to 10 there on Thursday night, that game was so uninspiring and so boring from New England. It just feels like there were some games packed in there that made you think that they weren't on this dominant run that they really are, but they are. They are riding a seven-game win streak into these playoffs, and look at You got to win four to win the whole thing. The Bills have done almost double that heading into the playoffs here with that schedule being filled with teams that were either in the playoffs or just on the verge of it, right? The Jets just bounced out last week. The Patriots could have gotten in if they won yesterday uh, with Miami. Of course they're in um, Detroit could have been in if the Rams won yesterday. So there was all these scenarios, but Hey, they're, they're riding an incredible streak in here. And I've said on this show numerous times throughout the year, I don't care if it's like the way it was against the Rams or the Titans or the Steelers where they just can't be stopped. And they absolutely steamroll you, or it's a game like, yesterday where they win in a weird fashion where you needed two kick returns to get it done or it's a game like the Jets where you win 20 to 17 and look at the defense seems to have your number to some extent but you found a way your defense stepped up to some capacity um, you know to, to, to meet you halfway and get that job done nonetheless I do not care all of these styles of plays that they have portrayed whether it's you know Stefan Diggs really not having a good game at all or whether it's oh my god all of a sudden they're running for 260 yards like like they did, uh, I forget the exact game. There was a game where they ran for 250-plus yards. There are different, they've showed you throughout the year here that they have different ways to win. And as my man James is saying right here, finding a way. And of course, when you head into January, all that matters is finding a way. And this coming Sunday at 1 p.m., I don't care how they get it done. All I care about is that they get it done. You just got to find a way. This team has found a way to overcome extraordinary adversity throughout this season. And on top of that, on the field, they have found a way to get victories. In every single game that they've lost, and there's only three that still stands, all three losses were by a combined eight points. And in every single one of those games, they had the chance to find a way. They had the chance. 
So what that tells you is going into the postseason here, the Bills are going to be in contention to win every single game that they play. They have not, they have not indicated to us once that there will come a game in these playoffs where they just don't match up. Not that any of us thought that to begin with, but what I'm saying is, you know, you can anticipate going into these playoffs, no matter who they end up facing, that these games are going to be beyond competitive. And when you look at the slate of games they they could potentially play, whether it be Cincy in the divisional, whether it be Kansas City in the AFC championship, you look at these games and you understand that, yeah, you know, Kansas City, that's the team everybody's trying to beat in these in these. AFC playoffs, that's the team that's had our number in these playoffs. You look at the Bengals and how well they've been playing. They're on an eight-game win streak of their own. You also take into consideration what happened last Monday and how that impacted the Bengals as well and how that will always be tied together. The Bills and the Bengals will always be tied together based on that incident. So if they rematch uh, you know, in the playoffs, that's going to be an extraordinary game. Extraordinary. And that very likely could happen. So speaking of which, let's dive into all of it. Let's dive into uh, the playoffs. I, I, I can't even believe I'm saying this. I, it, I don't know if it's just me. It, it just does not feel like playoff week. And I think maybe part of that had to do with the fact that I was becoming more and more convinced that the Bills were going to get the one seed. So I had kept baking into my mind that wild card weekend was going to be something that I could enjoy as just a fan of the NFL and not have to be unbelievably anxious and pace around and whatever, you know, more or less not have to worry about the Bills. But that reality kind of came quickly crashing down. I think it was in the span of a week where you realize not only are they not going to have the one seed, but, you know, that also, of course, means no buy, and they're going to be playing next week, and, and it's going to be against, against the Dolphins. And, whoa, I mean, it just kind of all came out at once. And this will be the second year in a row now where the Bills have to go into Wild Card Weekend facing off against a divisional opponent. And I think last year you looked at the way New England had played the Bills um, in the win bowl, and you saw that it was a divisional foe. And I think that when you see that you have a divisional game on your playoff schedule, the first thing people say is, oh, you know, you, don't, you, you didn't want the divisional game. No team knows you better than, no team knows you better than your own division, right? The Bills quite literally pulled off the most perfect offensive performance in NFL history against the New England Patriots last year in the playoffs. So the whole, it's a divisional opponent thing doesn't mean Jack, it doesn't mean squat to me. It just, it just doesn't matter to me. What does matter to me is understanding what we're facing off against going into this game against these Miami Dolphins. We are not aware of the quarterback situation. Hell, I'm not even sure if the Miami Dolphins are aware of the situation. Tua Tagovailoa has been out for how many weeks now? At least two, maybe three now. I don't think it's been completely confirmed, but to, to the to the eye test, at least, it does seem as though Tua Tungabailoa has suffered three concussions this season. And I just, I, I genuinely, a lot of people are saying, 
you know, of course, two is going to play this week. It's the playoffs, right? You know, two has got to be back out there. They can't win without him. They're, their best chance to win is with him. I genuinely think there's part of me that genuinely thinks that he is not going to play. We're talking about a guy who's shorter than most when it comes to the position. We're talking about a guy who's had his struggles, to say the least. We're also talking about a guy here who has had potentially three concussions in one year. And I'm just not entirely sure if that is going to be something that can be overcome just because it's a game in the playoffs. It's going to be very interesting to see how this gets handled. Their their quarterback situation in general, it's also it's also topsy-turvy and, and very in question outside of Tua Tungabailoa. Because the original plan, of course, was to have Teddy Bridgewater back up. And Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. So, it's, it's very, that to me, if you, look at, if you look at the game and how it's set up right now, the Bills are 11-point favorites in a playoff game. I mean, that is wild. They are 11-point favorites at home on Sunday against these Dolphins. That is the biggest point spread of the weekend. And they are expected to beat the hell out of these guys. What does that tell me? Because typically, look at Vegas. Oh, I, I, I say this all the time because it's true. Vegas, they're no dummies, and they didn't build the Bellagio on the backs of winners. They always know something we don't. And that line is telling me, Tua ain't playing. Because that line will adjust. And I'm not saying Tua is... I don't know how much how many points on a point spread two is worth. Not nearly as many as as you know Mahomes would be, Allen Burrow, whatever, of course. But the public perception on this Dolphins team, and in my opinion, just the competency of this offense is much higher with Tua. So the way that that line sits right now, the fact that yesterday was a must that game yesterday for Miami was a playoff game. That's that's the other thing you got to factor in here too. Yesterday for the Miami Dolphins was a playoff game. And Tua was not out there. They had to trot out Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon. And I'm trying to even find the stats of his from yesterday. I, I, do they even exist? I'm looking right now. Where is it? I can't. I can't even. I can't even. I mean, that's where we're at right now with these Dolphins and their quarterback situation. I can't even find the stats from yesterday. Utter disarray. That team was eight and three. Did Mike Glennon not even play? No, he didn't. Never mind. You want to know why I don't know that? Because I didn't watch a damn second of that shit show yesterday. Thank God that game was on the same time as the Bills game was. Thank Christ. I didn't watch a second of that. I am just now finding out. I am just now finding out. Breaking news. Mike Glennon didn't play a snap in that game. I was under the impression he was starting in that game. You know what? That goes to show you even more how much of a disaster the quarterback situation is right now in Miami. I was under the impression 
all day yesterday that Mike Glennon played in that game. He did not. Skylar Thompson. Now, I understand it was very upsetting to not be able to get the bye this year because that was the ultimate goal. I have no problem in saying this. If the Miami Dolphins trot out Skylar Thompson this coming Sunday at 1 p.m. in a playoff game in Buffalo against the Bills, that is the equivalent of a bye week. That is the 60-minute on-field equivalent of a bye week. And if anything, it's better you get a tune-up for a game against what will more, more than likely be the Cincinnati Bengals. Before I continue on this game, I'm just now realizing there were super chats earlier that I did not get to, and that is a joke. That is on me. My attention skills, brutal. You know I do this all the time, though. But I always do get to them. I think, at least. I try to, at least. Because if you guys are sending along harder in Super Chats, I couldn't be more appreciative of them. And just because I forgot to read them does not mean I'm not appreciative. I'm just an idiot. So let's go back and check them out. Super Chat coming in from William on YouTube. He's saying, no QB, Mostert status in question with a broken finger, I think. And Tyreek Hurt with an ankle. I'm confident in us. Also, love you, Z. How nice was that? Love you too, William. And I'm glad you brought all those points up when you did, even though it was like an hour ago, because that's what we're talking about right now. It fits perfectly. See, maybe I did it on purpose, William. Maybe I didn't read these because I purposely forgot to save it till now. How about that? GQ Bob, like that name. GQ Bob coming in here. He's saying, Z-Bot, man, I was at the game with my dad, uncle, and nephew. Oh, I love that. You know what's funny? I did that same scenario right there with, uh, with my dad, uncle, and cousin for the Bills-Patriots game, the playoff game last year. So I'm sure you guys had a freaking blast yesterday. I know we were, just, we were, that was the first time we had all gone together like that, and we had a damn ball. Uh, GQ saying, words cannot describe how crazy that game was, something that I will never forget. Yeah, I totally believe it, GQ. Jealous, man. Jealous you were there, but hey, glad you were there with your with your family there, because that's like a, that's a family get-together at a party type game where you'll just talk about that forever now. You guys will get together. Uh, remember we were there, and, the Bills kick return to start the game. I mean, that's like an all-timer, man. You'll never forget that. So cool, man. Glad. Thanks for sharing that with me. And uh, stoked for you that you were there. Jealous. That's a game yesterday. That that's that's just one you want to be at. James coming in, my brother. He's saying, "Hope your move went well. It did. Thank you. It, as far as right now is concerned, it's gone well. I'm still in the process, but I will say we got way more done in the amount of time that we have been working on it than I thought we would. So, to answer your question." or not really even a question, to acknowledge your point, I guess. It's gone well. Thank you, James. Name your six receivers you are starting next week against the Finns. Lots of possibilities. Well, that's a great question because you never know who the hell is going to be active and who isn't. I, I, I mean, look, the John Brown catch, I, and you guys can correct me on this. I got to go back and look because I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I guess I could just look it up. I, I don't know how many snaps he was out on the field for in that game. The only time I recognized that he was on the field in the game yesterday was when he was diving like Superman for an incredible acrobatic touchdown. Taking a look here. Let's see. There's some, you know, you know, it's weird. I don't know if you guys have a better source for this than me. Stats like snap count. They're, they're, it's like never easy to just find. You can never just say, like, snap count 
you know how when you just Google like yards or something, it's there. This is a cool, cool thing of note, though. That was his, that was his only catch of the year. He's only had two targets, but that was his only catch of the year. Yeah, how do you beat that? One catch, forty-two yards, touchdown. Not a bad stat line. Um, look, I can't find the snap count. I really don't. I really don't care because all I know is he has two targets on the year, and one of them was yesterday, and it was a touchdown. So, okay, thank you. You guys see, you guys are always on this. Um, Sal's coming in here saying Brown was out for four snaps. Kim's saying three. Why don't we just Why don't we just call it three or four? Because that's what it is, right? Three or four. Um, either way, obviously not a big part of the game plan until he makes a gigantic play. That's the interesting thing about a question like that because I do not have a definitive answer for you. Cole Beasley, you sign him, you put him in the game against Miami for like one or two snaps. He gets that catch. The crowd goes nuts. You never see him again. He was out on the field in Cincinnati for that brief period. Trust me, I, I remember because I'm sitting in that end zone and the Bills are on the doorstep to score a touchdown and Beasley dropped the catch from Allen to get a first down on that drive. Um, so he was in the game for that, in the red zone at least. And then a week later, which would be yesterday, he wasn't even active. So I have no, I have no clip. Um, thought Isaiah McKenzie did some nice things yesterday. You can expect him to be out there, of course. I think Dawson Knox's involvement, I'd like to see a bit more of that as we head into the playoffs. We have seen throughout this year when he does get a fair share of the target uh, targets in a game, he does produce. So I'd like to see some more targets for Dawson Knox. I, I got to tell you what the one thing I would like to see more of out of anything when it comes to this past game, and it's something that I noticed yesterday, and it's something that I also thought the Patriots did a really good job of yesterday. The short pass game to the receivers, there should be plenty more of it. There should be plenty more of it. If one of the problems on this team right now is the slot position and the inability to get the ball over the field for short yardage in the air, this team needs to take advantage more of the running backs that they have, especially a guy like James Cook, who was drafted to be a receiving back, or a guy like Naheem Hines, who we know is a receiving back. I would like to see more involvement through the air with these running backs. That to me is something that I think can supplement the inability at times for this team to move the ball in the middle of the field. And we know that that is an issue because if it wasn't, they wouldn't have gone out and signed Cole Beasley like they did three and a half quarters through the season. So that's something to me I'd like to see more of in the playoffs. I also think it builds Josh's confidence as the game goes on. You get more completions. You keep chip, chipping down the field. Um, another thing, too, Matt C's coming in here. Yeah, Sh Khalil Shakir, I, I just don't think we see enough of him either. I just don't think we see enough of him. He doesn't get enough targets, if any, sometimes, right? I think he had one or two yesterday, maybe. I would like to see more of that as well. Um. But the ultimate, the, the, you know, what it all comes down to at the quarterback position to me, or not to, in, the, in the air, through the air, the passing game to me, is Josh Allen going to go into these playoffs making mistake-free or mistake-reduced football? That, to me, is what it's going to come down to. We saw it last year. He was playing at a clip that we've never seen before, and there was no mistakes, and he was on. He was dialed in. That is what it's going to take. The receivers are what they are. You got digs. We know what he can produce. The rest of it right now, it's it's pretty average. We all know this by now. We know it's we know what it is what it is. And you have to think going into the draft and off in the offseason this coming uh, offseason here, 
That is going to be one of the top priorities for this team, getting another receiver on this squad. Whether you draft one, whether you get one in the free agency, whether you do both, we'll see. But as of right now, hey, I you know, who can, I don't care. We got a playoff game uh, six days from today. And it is what it is. So this wide receiver core right now is essentially the exact same as it was last season. And we saw what Allen did with that unit last year in these playoffs. It's going to come down to Allen. It's going to come down to him being dialed in and playing mistake-free or mistake-reduced football. Going into this Miami game, I want to know your guys' thoughts before we close up shop here. By the way, I'm just checking in. We'll check in once again. I saw 10-7 was the score. Georgia over TCU. Good for the Horned Frogs, man. I'm glad they're hanging in. Georgia was a big favorite in that game. TCU with the ball. All right, I haven't been able to watch any yet, of course, obviously, but we're still in the first quarter. Um, which, by the way, speaking of college football, the college football playoffs uh, last week, it, th- those were two of the greatest college football games I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Ah, Georgia just scored again. Thanks for the update, Dave. You know, I'm fine with Georgia. Um, If it has to be one of these powerhouses, I'm fine with Georgia because I just cannot stand Michigan. I cannot stand, as a Penn State fan, I cannot stand Michigan. I cannot stand Ohio State. And, you know, Alabama was like the the vintage Patriots of college college football. So you can't root for them either. So if it's got to be anybody at at the cream of the crop there, I don't mind Georgia. Anyhow. Um, let me know your thoughts, guys, going into this week, whether it be on here tonight or on Twitter, because I am intrigued where everybody's mindset is here going into this one. 11, this is always, this always gets me. I always like seeing what the public perception is on the bills against their opponent. And by the way, and this just goes to show you what the public perception has been on these bills all year. The Bills were the only team in the NFL to not be an underdog once this entire season. They went into all 17 games, including the Cincinnati game, because, of course, it started all 17 games as a favorite. They were not favored to lose one single game. So the public perception on these bills has been high to start the year, and it has been high all the way throughout the year, and it's peaking again right now. I mean, this is a playoff game against another NFL team, a team that you've played twice already this year. Both games were incredibly close, and they beat you once. It's a divisional opponent, and the public perception right now is the bills are double-digit favorites. Do you personally feel that the bills being double-digit favorites in this game is justified. And this, to me, is why it is tough to break down this game without knowing what the quarterback situation is for Miami. Now, look, you know my thoughts on Tua. Not a fan. I just don't think he's a franchise quarterback. I don't think that he's the future of the Miami Dolphins. I don't think Miami thinks that he's the future of the Miami Dolphins, and I just don't think he's a quarterback you can build around. But in a playoff game, if it comes down to me having to start Mike Glennon, Skylar Thompson, or Tua Tungavailoa, the answer is a no-brainer. 
This team is competitive with Tua. I just don't think Tua is in the league. You know how it is in the league now. Tua is a serviceable quarterback, but he's never going to be Burrow, Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, and that's what you need now, right? Especially if you're going to build through the draft at the quarterback position. If you're not going to go out and get a vet like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, and you're going to build your franchise around a quarterback that you drafted, it has got to be a guy like that or you're screwed. And we know Tua is not that, but he is a serviceable quarterback and a quarterback that we know can lead this team to victory. So if he's in, I do think that this game is competitive. However, and of course, of course, we all should think that. We already have two sample sizes this season. Both games were very competitive. But if two is not in this game, there's just no way in literal hell that the Miami Dolphins can come within within a, within a two touchdowns of the Bills. We saw it yesterday, folks. The Bills and the Jets, or the the Dolphins and the Jets played yesterday. That game was six to six going into the final minute of the fourth quarter. You think that that same unit? And mind you, by the way. Tua got injured in that game, and so did Jalen Waddle. They're going to play. I don't think that they were injuries that are going to keep them from this game, but they're hobbled. That same unit that that won that game 9-6 to six in the final minute is going to Buffalo, who is emotionally fueled. I mean, you got to remember this, too, by the way. And this, the, the, you can't negate this. There is something to be said about the advantage that home field advantage gives you. That's why it's called home field advantage. There's something to be said about the advantage that you get from a first round buy. There's something to be said about the emotional fuel and the emotional motivation that this Buffalo Bills team has. I don't think you can quantify it. And I personally think no first round buy and no home field advantage can possibly match the emotional motivation that this Buffalo Bills team currently has. And with that, if the Miami Dolphins not only have to face the Bills, who are good enough as is to win the Super Bowl without any added motivation, if the Miami Dolphins send out a Skyler-led, a Skyler Thompson-led offense against this Bills team, it, it's it's... I mean, even if you're a Dolphins fan, you can't even you can't even possibly be looking forward to watching that. I mean, there's got to be a if you're a Dolphins fan, there's got to be a part of you that wishes you just had the season end. Because do do you would you rather have your season end in the regular season, or would you rather have your perfect example is last year? Would you rather have your season end in the regular season? All right, we'll see you next year. Or would you rather have your season end with a wild card exit where you lose 47 to 17 like the Patriots did last year? What would you rather have? I mean, for me as a Bills fan, early, you know, earlier on uh, in, in the, in the, in the, you know, mid 2000 or the late teens of the 2000s. I don't know. How do you even say that? <laughs> During the tie rod era, whatever. Yeah. Okay. We I we've never made the playoffs in my whole life. I'll I'll take the playoff berth and the 47 to 17 trouncing. But now, you know, it, it, based on the success the Bills have had, and I have that, you know, in me, I would just rather pack my crap. 
I don't, I don't want to go out into a playoff game and get obliterated. Now, any team's got a chance on any given Sunday. I mean, hell, yesterday, the, the, uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys sent out all their starters against the Washington Commanders. They couldn't even score a touchdown, 26-6. to six. I mean, what the hell was that? And you also had the Philadelphia Eagles playing their starters, and the, the Giants' beast, the Giants' like D team went out there and made that game competitive. You also have, you know, the, how about the Detroit Lions? That was amazing. You know you're not playing for anything other than knocking off Green Bay, and that was the only motivation they needed. Anything can happen. I'm just saying what can't happen is Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins beating the Bills in the playoffs. And if it does happen, I, I do not know what I would do with myself. It is not good. It is not good. It's not good for me, not good for anybody around me, because it will be traumatic. And I just, like, I, at the top of the show, I told you, I got a brand new TV. It's already mounted up on the wall. It would be a shame to have to take it down and treat it like a trampoline, because that would be the only logical solution to the Buffalo Bills losing in the playoffs to Skylar Thompson. But that's as, that's as much time as I'll give to that thought. Because that's, that's already too much time spent on a thought like that. Now, before we close up shop here, let's take a look at the rest of the playoff picture. And let's kind of decipher real quick how we think things might pan out this coming weekend. And what could be in store. Not to look over these Dolphins, because I'm not willing to do that yet, because we just don't know. If I were to bet, if I were to bet, I think, Man, I don't even want to say. I'm looking at my phone to see if anything has come up. Um, I, and this is where I'm at with this. I'm so unsure that I would. I actually do, I don't know how I would bet either way here. I'm so unsure if Tua playing or not. Because the the you know the football guy in me wants to say, dude, it's the playoffs. You have no chance of winning without Tua. The dude's got to play. But the logical part of me says, dude, like this guy's had three concussions this year. And I genuinely don't know if it's right for him to play in this game. And I don't know if the medical staff knows that yet. I don't know. I I, I listened to Mike McDaniel earlier today and he did not have an update. Of course, that was the first question he was asked about this coming game. And he did not have an update from his personal knowledge or from the medical staff's knowledge. So there really is no way to tell. And I guarantee you, we don't know until like Friday, which sucks. Cause all week you're going to be wondering because, because your, your, your demeanor and your thought process on this game, whether you think the bills are going to destroy them either way or not, it's still going to change. You're still going to have a different perception on this game based on who Miami is trotting out there as the starting quarterback. And the same could be said about this entire, uh, the same could be said about a couple of situations in this play, in these playoffs. Not only the Bills game, the same could be said about the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Lamar Jackson has not practiced in over a month. And there's a big part of me right now that is almost convinced at this point that Lamar Jackson told the Baltimore Ravens, look, I'm not playing another down for this organization until I get a contract. Because that does not add up. Adam Schefter reported earlier in December that they expected Lamar Jackson to be back to practice on Christmas Eve. 
there was thoughts that he would play Christmas weekend. Not only did he not play in that game, he did not practice, and he has not practiced since. That's a huge one as well. Because that could be have major implications for the divisional round. So it's very interesting. But there's no way that we could possibly assume that, that two is going to be in there or not because I just don't think there's an assumption to be made. I think that right now it is completely up in the air. So um, let's take a look at the playoff bracket. want to get your guys' thoughts in, uh, in particular on how you think things are going to pan out, even outside of Buffalo, because I think there's some really good games this coming weekend. And, of course, outside of this weekend, moving on to the divisional, I think we could be set up for some uh, extraordinary games, especially with our Bills. I mean, we know what lies ahead in any situation after the uh, after the wild card could be one hell of a situation for the Bills, uh, not only for us fans, but of course, if you're just a fan of football in general, I mean, how the hell could you not be a fan of the Bills taking on a couple of the opponents they could potentially play? So here we go. Here's the playoff bracket. Now, uh, Chargers-Jags. That's an interesting game to me. That's a very interesting game because that, to me, is about as even of a matchup as we're going to see all weekend. Vegas also thinks so. That game's a pick em right now. I don't know who to lean in that game. I want to lean Chargers, but this is Justin Herbert's first playoff game, as it is for Trevor Lawrence, so experience is out the door. Um, the Jags are playing with a lot of heart. The Jags are playing with a ton of heart. They have bought into Doug Peterson, who's completely changed this organization around. Um, man, I have no tell on that one. All I know is, though, all I know is the best chance to knock off KC in the divisional round would be this, assuming that the – oh, my headphones just died – Assuming that the uh, the Charger, or su- assuming that the Bengals beat the Ravens, the Chargers are the best chance to knock KC out of the divisional round. We see, we see every time KC goes against the Chargers, it's a game. So we'll see. I'll lean Chargers there. I'm not entirely sure. Can't really predict this Bengals Ravens game without knowing Lamar Jackson status. Although I will say. Who's playing better football right now than Cincinnati? Eight-game win streak. I got to lean Cincinnati there regardless, but that game should be a hell of a matchup if Lamar does play. That's another one similar to Tua where we just have no idea. To me, you know, you're looking at the Bills game specifically. The the Bills, to me, win this game either way, Tua or not, but it's just going to matter. To me, it's just going to really change my thought process on how I feel about this game, of course, uh, depending on who goes out there. I think if it's Tua, I think this game's competitive. I think that Miami's offense is able to put up points and get down the field. But I just think with the with the experience for the Buffalo Bills at this time, the emotional fuel that they have right now, it, it being at home, I just think everything leans towards Buffalo in this game. I just think the, the Bills are just the better team in general, Tua or not. But if it's not Tua, I mean, I just – I don't even know what more you can say. It's just not even – it's not even – from a competitive standpoint, it's not even close to uh, uh, a relevant, or it's, it's just not even close to a a fair matchup, in my opinion. You know, it just it just isn't. Now, to me, the real interesting games lie in in the NFC, really. 
So you have you have the Cowboys and the Bucks. Look at the Cowboys are playing like dog shit. The Cowboys are not playing well at all. Not only was it bad yesterday, they were playing against the Tennessee Titans practice squad last week, and, and, and they look miserable against them too. I don't know what's going on in Dallas. The defense all of a sudden does not look like it was in the early, in the earlier games in the year where they look, you know, damn good. They don't look that way anymore. Dak looks really off. Look, Tom Brady never lost to the Dallas Cowboys in his career. They beat him earlier this year to kick the season off. It's in Tampa, and I just don't see a first-round exit for the Bucs and Tom Brady, even though they have not played all that well this year. I think they're ticking upward, whereas Dallas is ticking a bit downward. I got Tampa Bay in that game in the upset. I think that they win at home. I just think that they knock out Dallas, and I, I just I don't know what it is. just a gut feeling for me. Another upset that I have stays in the NFC East um, as far as uh, teams involved in the game. Congrats again, by the way, to Brian Dable and the New York Giants for making the playoffs. I think they win a playoff game not uh, on top of just making the playoffs. I think that they beat the Minnesota Vikings on the road. They played these Minnesota Vikings a couple of weeks ago on the road. Game came down to the wire, and the Minnesota Vikings needed a 61-yard field goal at the buzzer to beat the New York Giants. Every single one of Minnesota's wins has been by one score. I don't know how long that can last, especially in the playoffs. It's already an unprecedented streak. Can you continue to do that in the playoffs? They've shown they can do it, but we've also seen that if they go out there and they don't play their best football, they get demolished. I mean, the Green Bay Packers absolutely spat on them last week. That was unbelievable. I mean, the Packers are not good enough to win a game in that fashion, and they did. And We also saw earlier in the season what teams like Philly did to them and Dallas did to them. I just think right now, the Giants, they, there's something about them. They got heart. Dable has really boosted the uh, the culture over there, in my opinion. It just seems like they have a bit of an identity now. Daniel Jones is playing better than he ever has. You got Saquon Barkley. That defense is coming along. I like the Giants in that game. I think they knock off the Vikings. And then to me, Right here, this is the team you're the Bills are going to see in the Super Bowl. I have no reservations on that whatsoever. Yes, I think Philly is a great team. It's going to be really hard to win on the road in Philadelphia. Who the hell is playing better than the San Francisco 49ers? I'm sorry. I said it after the first game, and I'm going to continue to double down on it. Brock Purdy is not an anomaly. That dude is legit. He is a legitimate starting quarterback. I think that they can, they consider keeping him as the starter next year. It's going to really depend on what they do in these playoffs coming up here, but how can you move off of a guy who has not lost a start yet, who is playing phenomenally, has this offense clicking on all cylinders. They have not lost a game since they've signed Christian McCaffrey, and that I haven't even mentioned their defense yet. They have the best defense in the league. So this team right here, I just don't know how you argue any of these teams, maybe other than Philly, having the home field advantage. I don't know which I, – I just don't see the Niners losing. They are phenomenal. It is extraordinary. I cannot their, – their storyline this season is in insane insane this Brock Purdy story is unbelievable and I just think in the NFC they are the team to beat and if, if I had my money on it 
That's the team the Bills see in the Super Bowl. But hey, in order to get there, you got to get through wild card weekend. And it all starts in Buffalo against the Miami Dolphins. And I cannot freaking wait. Now, I'm sure. Uh, where am I at here? As we close up shop here. By the way, I can't hear anything through my headphones. So I hope the music's playing a little bit. Um, I'm sure we will be doing a major pregame uh, playoff centric pregame show here on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel come Sunday. So be on the lookout for that. I will be all over that because I cannot wait to dive into this one because at that point in time, we will have the clarity on this game that we do not currently have. And that is who is playing quarterback for the Miami Dolphins in this one. Either way though, I cannot wait. It is playoff week, baby. It is playoff week. It is time to put up or show up. This is the season folks. This is the year we all have felt it, and I think we still all continue to feel it. It all starts on Sunday. I can't wait. Uh, throughout the rest of the week, by the way, I know you guys cannot get enough of uh, of Bill's coverage this week. Who can? Uh, we have my main man, Rico, tomorrow. We got my main man, Rev, Wednesday, and then we'll all be here on Sunday for that pregame, so keep a lookout. Um, until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Be patient. We got to hold on just six more days. Enjoy the Saturday games, too. I'm glad, by the way, this game is on Sunday because you do get to enjoy a little bit of playoff football before the anxious, the anxiousness and the butterflies hit. So can't wait. All right. I'll see you guys all Sunday morning for that pregame show. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. And as always. <laughs>